So by now, y'all know that we here at the Breathe Faith and Creativity podcast are so excited that our show is now brought to you in part by the amazing family-owned coffee shop Corridor Flow located in the city of Lomita, California. Corridor Flow is truly the place to be not only for just your coffee fix, but for that spot you just want to get some work done. They've taken all the necessary safety measures to ensure your health is top priority so you can take advantage of their outdoor seating space, specifically if your work office isn't available. The crew at Corridor Flow will definitely take care of you. So the next time you're in the Los Angeles area, make sure you check out Corridor Flow. You can find them on Instagram at Corridor underscore flow or order your drink online at CorridorFlow.com and make sure you try their tasty turmeric latte. It truly is delicious. Corridor Flow, coffee, community, create. Also, I want to take this opportunity to talk about another local business that I absolutely love, Print Status. Print Status is your one-stop shop for all of your printing needs from screen printing and DTG to vinyl banners and die cut stickers. Print Status has you covered. As an added incentive, I personally know the owner, Don Lumbera, so you know that my recommendation is legit. In fact, I used to work for his company, so I have firsthand experience with what he brings to the market. Don and his small staff of professional designers will take amazing care of your printing needs. They will also offer their professional recommendations for your designs and give you the best deal possible. Because they are a small operation, you can be confident that their customer service will be personal and you will be attended to in a timely manner, knowing that you are working with an actual person and not just an automated response center. So for your next printing needs, both large and small, you can check them out on Instagram at printstatus.co. That's at printstatus.co or on the web at printstatus.co and let them know that you heard about Print Status from us. With that said, let's get at it. Welcome to the Breathe Podcast, where we explore the intersection of faith and creativity. We interview artists from all walks of life to discover how faith plays a role in their art and expression hoping to encourage you to live a life of creativity and faith. And now, please welcome your co-hosts, Derek Engoy, Christian Mendoza, and Kevin Horton. Yep, yep. Welcome back to the Breathe Faith and Creativity podcast. Welcome back and welcome to another week. I see you smiling at me, Kevin. What's up? <laughs> I had my I had my teeth cleaned last week and I'm just smiling. I'm just, and I'm just flexing. Yeah, we we have an inside joke with the whole yup yup. That's my that's my call right there. That's my own personal. I need to trademark that yup yup phrase. But anyways, from Torrance, California, I am Derek Engoy from Cerritos, California. We got Chris Mendoza. Hey, what's up, everyone? And from Long Beach, California, the place of the strong, we got Kevin Horton, also known as Mars. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> occupied Mars. my seat, everybody. But speaking of Mars, did you see the, some of the footage? It's pretty remarkable of what they can oh, capture. Amazing, amazing stuff. Yeah. I, I just hope we don't literally infiltrate it as human beings and go there and destroy Mars. But I just think it's fascinating to see all the footage and the sounds that are able to capture. It's 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 been wild. It's been wild. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty amazing. You know, yeah. I just hope we don't destroy Earth to the point where we need to go there. Right, that's true. That's, that's what I'm hoping. That's true. Um, 
Yeah. So how you guys doing? How's your week been? Oh man, pretty amazing. Uh, I actually picked up some art students over at the church. Nice. Pretty cool. Nice. Uh, I got four four kids, and we're we're all learning. I, I'm learning to love them, and man, they're they're naturally good. And yeah, uh, it's all about ha- like teaching them good principles through art. Yeah. And and yeah, they're they're naturally good. It's it's pretty it's pretty rewarding already. So you Bob Rossin over there at the church, that's what's happening. <laughs> oh yeah, Bob Rossin, we're chilling. We're we're on the playground drawing like balls and tires and happy swings and happy trees as well, oh, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, it has to do with the icebreaker question a little later. I mean, we're 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 all about different perspectives and seeing things from different angles and we have to do that philosophically as well. Yeah. As artistically. That's and dope. being able to teach kids that Come on, man. Priceless, man. Especially, <laughs> yeah. especially arts is the first to go uh, in public school. So it's it's yeah. great that you're I mean, able to offer you're, that. You're doing the same thing with the creative writing. Yeah. I mean, you have that same gratification. You know, Absolutely. You're, you're, you're teaching these little, you teach the youngsters how to fly. Yeah. That's and, cool. And, and that's dope. You yeah. Know? How about you, Kevin? How was your week? I was just been diving into poetry, believe it or not, yeah. with my voice as a coach. Yes. Yes. Oh, you know, we're all secretly trying like, to uh, become each other. Almost kind of sounds like, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Roses are red, violets are blue. Yeah. Actually, have you ever heard of the the poem called "The Mist"? Oh no, uh, I've heard the movie "The Mist," but not the poem. You want to give us a little excerpt? If I could remember it, I would. <laughs> well, that's your assignment. See, I was um... come with the fire next week. Come with that. How about okay. some coffee beans and some oh, um, donuts? Ouch. ouch. <laughs> yes, I will get it to you guys soon. I actually, I know. So I just <laughs> ordered some new greens. So I will definitely get you. Um, oh, oh, okay. What continents, Jerry? All right. So I what got country, Nicaragua, what, like I did what the first one. Are we going to? Right. So I got uh, Nicaragua, like I did the first, because I love the Nicaragua Nicaragua beans, um, and then Ethiopia. Uh, so I did Rwanda last uh, time. Uh, so I wanted to do another African uh, segment, and so I did. Uh, I got some Ethiopia. So I'm looking nice. forward to it. So once I get those roasted, I'll, I'll get you. I get you both bags. Repatriation back to the motherland. Man. Yep, yep. Motherland yep. of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so quick icebreaker question before we dive in. Uh, would you guys rather have the ability to run 100 miles per hour or fly at only 10 miles per hour? And why? Kevin? Because I'm already fly, I'll go with the second one. <laughs> <laughs> you nice. are a white guy. <laughs> fly like a white guy. <laughs> I'm a white guy with nice teeth. <laughs> Dude, that is like by far the best answer. I mean, hands down. I love it, Kevin. I love Ever. it. I love it. So 100 miles per hour is, what are you, uh, Flash over here? What's up? We got Barry yeah. Allen over here breaking the sound barrier 100 miles. Huh? That's pretty cool. How about oh, you, Chris? Sure. Fly or uh, uh, run? Oh, definitely fly, man. I mean, we, we, we talked about it a little earlier. I mean, I'm a, I'm a visual artist. I'm all about different perspectives and not only visually, but philosophically and religious wise. So yeah, man, definitely flying. That's something that humans aren't supposed to do, supposedly. But yeah. yet we somehow managed to do it and we're trying to fly creatively, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I'd rather fly than, than, than uh, run. Yeah, I take flying too. Although, I mean, don't ask me why I did a hundred miles for running and ten only 10 miles mm-hmm. for flying, but... Even, NWA fan. <laughs> <laughs> even at such slow speeds, I think flying even that slow uh, yeah. would be pretty fascinating. I mean, you know, it'll take a while to get, let's say, to San Francisco. But man, can you imagine just cruising above the traffic, flying mm-hmm. with the birds? Uh, yeah, so I would pick a hun- uh, 10 miles per hour of flying. I think that would be so fun. 
And uh, oh yeah, man, yeah. just getting that God view, you know, you're just yeah. Like, Whoa, That's I right. mean, it'd be amazing to just to see that. I mean, people pay money to see see footage from the IMAX, you know, IMAX right. theater, and so to be able to do that, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Could you picture God up there going, um, "What's going on down there?" And we just float up there and we go, "Hey, what's up?" He goes, um, um, "Not you." Well, what what are all those big gatherings and people fighting? Come on, guys, chill out. Chill out, yo. <laughs> yeah, let's chill. Why do I always think about there's a cartoon character that used to walk really slow and then he'd he'd like going do 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 do. Is that a big turtle? Yeah, that's what I think about <laughs> when Bugs I see fly ten miles an hour. He's like. I'm flying here. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. We just we got to do a whole show one day of just you, Kevin, doing voices. That'd be so dope. Yeah, just the the ski the schizo Kevin, <laughs> like a hundred different characters for just a straight hour. Don't worry, everybody. I'm, I'm not really schizo. I, I they're just <laughs> they're just talk, they're just making that up. But I actually do. I am fly. <laughs> for a white guy. <laughs> you well, <laughs> even though he is fly for a white guy, and before. <laughs> Yeah, let's go ahead and get on with the rest of the show. And Somehow that does rhyme. Already, yeah, uh, we have an Instagram page. Uh, go ahead and join us. And it's the IG handle is at breathe.podcast. And go ahead and help us out by spreading the word. Well, I just want to take this time to remind everybody that I'm fly. And that to rate and review our show on podcast. Too fly. Give us a five-star rating. Let us know how we're doing. Show us some love. Fly with us. You can even list some of the questions you may want to ask us, like how fly am I? <laughs> well, you show stuff you want us to address, and we'll do our best to get them in a timely manner. And make sure you hit that subscribe button yep. to get notifications every time we we release a new episode. Thanks, Fly Guy. Appreciate it. Yeah, <laughs> please fly with us. Please return everybody to the full fly position. <laughs> And finally, I also want to encourage you to head over to our Patreon page under my first and last name, Derek Ngoy, and you can specifically support this podcast and help cover some of the costs to keep it running. Uh, we have different tiers for you to choose from. We have an entry-level support of just $1 a month. I mean, that's just $1 a month. Y'all listening out there can support with just $1 and we would greatly appreciate that. We also have a $3 tier a month, a $10 and a $20 a month tier. And for each tier, you get additional rewards as a way for us to say thank you, right? We have audio downloads of the original music you hear on the show. That's right. The music that you hear on the show, they're all 100% original, curated by yours truly. So we allow those to be downloaded and into your own devices. Uh, you'll also get poems uh, that I put up, performance videos, videos. Uh, we, we're also working with Chris to get some artwork out there and some coffee beans as a way to thank you. So you know, head on over to our Patreon page today. Show your support, our monthly support to keep this podcast going. And hey, thanks ahead of time for the love and yes. for being fly. <laughs> we're just going to carry that throughout the whole show, Kevin. How's that? You fly, dude. Oh man, I am fly. Do you want to know why? That's that's almost like Dr. Zeus. Why am I fly? (laughs) I'm gonna draw a gold chain around there that just says two fly around your cartoon. If I wore a gold chain, I I would just it would be it would not be good. Hey, my (laughs) my grandmama gave me that chain. Rest in peace, Debo. Yeah, Debo. Spiritual Debo. That's right. Uh so you know. (laughs) 
we've been talking about this coffee shop that I'm helping to open up in Culver City for a while now. Um, yeah. Every episode. Excited. We've, yeah, we, we've kind of awesome. given it a nod here and there, and it's going to be called Vintage Coffee Company. And it's going to sit on the property of the church that I'm now on staff at. And the coffee shop really is a part of the strategic plan by the church to find better ways yeah. of loving and serving the community at large. And and this past week, I had the amazing privilege of chatt- chatting with Matt Kladnick, who's one of the pastors there, the lead pastor. And, and we talked about a bunch of great things. And mm. one of the things that I want us to talk about before we play his interview is this idea of good news. And if you are a believer in Jesus, and you're listening out there, you know that Jesus came to bring the good news. And my question for us today, I wanted us to dialogue, uh, have a discussion around this idea of good news. So one of the questions I want to start off with, and I have some follow-ups, but the first question I have is for, for both of you, what is good news, both practically and spiritually speaking? What is good news, both practically and spiritually speaking? Chris, let's start off with you. What do you think? All right, sure. Uh, pretty much good news is, can you see hope? Mm. You know, can you see the finish line? Um, is your day-to-day, is your day-to-day uh, activities, you know, leading to your end goals? Mm. And and that's that's where my good news would be. I mean, once I fully surrendered to Jesus and God, oh man, yeah. it's like, it's been getting, prog- I mean, the podcast is getting progressively better. I mean, the art's becoming a vehicle for for my spiritual growth, and it's just like, man, it's like it just doesn't get any better than that. And I'm just spilling it out. I mean, I got students now. Mm-hmm. It's like I have good things to share with people, and it's it's totally flourishing. Yeah, it's good. What about you, Kevin? What is good news, both practically and spiritually speaking? Well, while Chris was talking, I, I drew a little picture, and I think about what I do every night. And my parents always taught me to do this: is when you lay your head down on your pillow. Thank God for everything that you can. And the first thing I think about is I have a roof over my head. I have running water. I have heat in the house. I have food on the table. I have people that love me and I have a job. And that's good news. Yeah. And to just review those things and to realize that everything else is bonus. Right. That's practically and 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 you bring up an interesting point in your reflection of what good news is for you, right? You have running water, you have food, you have a, you know you have clothing, you have a house over your head, and I think a lot of times when the church at large thinks about preaching good news, it usually comes in the form of, "Hey, let me invite this person to Sunday, let me let me mm-hmm. invite this person to church." That's good news. But you're right, Kevin. You're you're, you're touching upon something. Like if I go to someone who's hungry and I say, Jesus loves you, be on your merry way. Me saying Jesus is Jesus loves you to the person who's hungry is not really going to be good news to that person. But Mm -hmm. if I were to say, Hey, you know, Jesus loves you. How can I help you? Mm -hmm. And they might say, Hey, I'm hungry. And I go and buy that person a sandwich. Then that collectively is good news. But -hmm. I think a lot of times as church people, we think that, hey, I'm going to go preach good news. I'm going to tell them about Jesus. All the while, they're sitting there looking you in the face, and they're hungry. Or mm-hmm. maybe they're des- there's desperation in their eyes because they just lost their job. And mm-hmm. I could tell them all about the church down the street, that they should go, that there's great programs for your kids and for your families. And I'm not saying we shouldn't do this. Yes, we should. But I think 
when it comes to good news for the person staring in front of us, me inviting them to church isn't good news, right? Especially yeah. if someone is in desperate need of something. Um, my first entry or door to giving that person good news is to serve them practically. And a lot of times, Jesus did the very same thing. Should we preach the truth of Christ? Absolutely. But we should also uh, serve others. Yeah, right? through actions. Absolutely. You know, And so you know, I love how you said that, Kevin, that for you, that's good news. These are all practical things, right? Basic necessities. And there are a lot of people out there who don't even have the basic necessities. And so as believers, what does it look like to bring good news, not just in word, but in deed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if the message of Jesus is good news, and so this is kind of like the opposite of it, and maybe this is going to put us in a place of deeper reflection. But so the next question I have is if the message of Jesus is good news, the three of us know that Jesus, and as well as everyone out there who who are listening, who do believe in Jesus, we know that he is good news. We know that the message that he came to bring is good news. We know the examples that we read about in the scriptures of Jesus's life. We know it's good because he, he was a good man. Let's just break it down, right? Yes, God, sure. But as human Jesus, we know that he lived a good life. He set good examples. We all know that. But why are so many people put off by the good news of Jesus? What do you guys think? Uh, Kevin, let's start off with you. Well, two things. I, I can think about people that have been either practically hurt by the church yeah. or spiritually hurt by the church, with not by the church's own fault, but just because of various situations. So that's one thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and. The other thing is um, so many people think that the good news of Jesus is so unattainable. Hmm. And I mean that by they, they have a, a sense in their mind or spirit that they have to attain this level of perfection mm-hmm. to get to the, to get the benefit. And you know, and I know, and I'm sure Chris knows also that we come to Jesus broken. Yeah. And he does the fixing. Right. I I love how you said that, Kevin. I was told early on when I you know, my 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 story many of you know and even listening have heard me tell this quite some quite often, but I grew up Catholic and when I left Catholicism and started practicing Christianity from the Protestant bent, if you will. I started going to this church in Norwalk, and the pastor at the time, as I was slowly beginning to understand what it meant to live a life for Jesus and also to serve the church, he would tell me this story because I was on the fence still. And he said, let me tell you a story. So there was this pastor who would have this conversation with this, 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 this young person, and the young person had this question to this pastor, and the young person would go to the pastor and say, hey, pastor, do I have to stop smoking weed to become a Christian? And the pastor almost immediately said, no, you don't. And the kid was thrown aback. He, he, he did a double take to the pastor's answer. And, and he said, pastor, I don't think you understood the question. Do I have to stop smoking weed in order to become a Christian? And the pastor took a little deep breath he inhaled a little bit and he exhaled and he said, no, you don't. And then, so the kid still was surprised at the pastor's answer. And he said, pastor, I, I think I got to ask you one more time. I don't think you understand what I'm saying. I smoke a lot of weed. Do I have to give it up to become a Christian? 
And the pastor said, well, let me stop you there. Let me ask you a question, right? Very Jesus-like, right? When when people would ask mm-hmm. Jesus questions, Jesus would that. ask back a question. Right? So the pastor says, well, let me ask you this. Do you clean yourself up before going into the shower? And the kid was like, well, no. And he's like, it's the same way with God. We don't have to clean ourselves up to come to a relationship with Jesus. We come to Jesus, like you were saying too, Kevin, we come to Jesus just as we are, and and he will continue to work through some of the issues that we have in our lives. If we're addicted to particular substances, we come to Jesus just as we are. We come to him fully addicted and allow him to work that out in our lives, right? We come to him dirty, sinful, prideful, negative, you know, uh, uh, sinful people, prideful people, and God will work those out. Because like you were saying, Kevin, if we held these standards high and say, look, I, this is, I have to meet these standards before I give my life to Jesus, we will never give our lives to Jesus. We will, Nobody would make it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and I love that. I love that illustration um, that this pastor told me when I was first coming you know, coming around the church and trying to figure life out. And so, and if, you know, I know this is not church. Uh, well, yeah, I'm going to say it this way. That This is church, right? We're, 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 I, I think it is. Um, I think it, it kind of is. Yeah. So, but if you're listening out there and, and, and you don't believe in Jesus, that's fine. Um, but if I can encourage you, um, you know, if you want to give him a chance, right, you don't have to give up your life because Jesus is the one who gave up his life. And I would encourage you just come as you are. You know, don't, you know, I do apologize perhaps if you had a bad experience in the church, like Kevin was alluding to and what he was describing. Cause I, I mean, I even had bad experiences in the church growing up. And so I get it, but I want to yeah. encourage that person who's maybe on the fence, maybe even through this show. And I know we haven't been really preaching Jesus in the sense of a sermon, but maybe mm-hmm. through the few episodes and you're listening and you're like, man, there's something about these, these guys on the podcast that, that really resonate with me. And, and, and maybe, maybe, maybe you see religiosity differently because of you listening week in and week out. I want to encourage you just take that step, you know, don't yeah. give up anything in your life. Just come to God as you are and, and he'll work that out with you. Um, yeah. and so anyways, my little, my little, my little, uh, uh, evangelist in me coming out real quick. <laughs> Chris, how about you? If the message of Jesus is such good news, then why are so many people put off by the good news of Jesus? I, I mean, I'll back you up even, even more. I mean, it's, it's attaching it to the ego. Uh, it's, 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 uh, is my, is my particular life or my specifics in my life adding up to the jewels and the treasures that, you know, Christianity has promised me? You know, and it's mm-hmm. kind of like what you're talking about. Do you have to take a shower to be clean? It's like I have these art students. I mean, they're already super ambitious. They already want to start drawing with pens and doing like cross hatching, like Leonardo da Vinci, right? Yeah. And this is after three lessons, and then the girl comes back. She's like, "I failed miserably." Oh. And I'm like, "You know who you're measuring yourself up against? Mm. That's like one of the most intelligent people to ever touch foot on this earth." Yeah. And it's kind of like how how we have those perceptions about going to the church. Do we have to be perfect like Jesus? Oh no, man! Yeah. Like you just go. You have to remember it's like, hey, just just start start slow, and eventually you'll evolve into something greater. And it's exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I I think back, Chris, specifically for you, when yeah. you know you started coming back around you know, after, you know, going MIA for so long. And then when you started coming back, when I was still at the branch, man, 
you know, you started coming in slowly. You were going to Bible studies first. You weren't even mm-hmm. going to a Sunday service. And, and, you know, I think, yeah. you know, if I could take a step back and interpret what I was seeing was you were just taking it in as in chunks and, yeah. you know, you were taking as much as you could. And even when you started going to Sunday and I, I tell this story uh, a lot when I, I speak with people, when, when you first started coming and when I was preaching, I would see you drawing and in my, yeah. and in my mind, I'm like, this dude is not paying attention to the sermon. This dude is like doodling in his sketch pad. What's wrong with this dude? And then after yeah. the service, you would come and show me the drawing and it would be of the sermon. And I was yeah. like, wow, I was blown yeah. away. And or, wow. or even the, wow. the, the, the four, the formal, the formal drawing of the logo. I did that at a Bible study yeah. before even going to yeah. services. Yeah. And most of the guys that were in that circle, they're like, this dude ain't paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I would chime in and boom. Yeah. <laughs> And, and, you know, and that's the beauty and that's what I, I love about what I've seen personally and in, in the expressions of the different churches that I've been a part of, you know, in the latter part of my life, it's all been positive in that folks truly could come as they are, right? I, I think one of the reasons that you started coming around, Chris, is because I think the culture of the church that we had was very comfortable and inviting and it wasn't very hierarchy and very very, you know, high pressure where you felt like, oh, I can't be a part of these, these folks, you know? And I think, you know, we took that off. And I even think back to the early church plant days where the majority of the people who are coming to our church on a Sunday morning were people from the homeless community and they felt home to be able to come to a church where the majority of their experience in church has been a negative one because of, you know, their demeanor and the way they carry themselves. And let's let, I mean, I'll be honest, you know, because they smell and, yeah. you know, coming off of the streets. And so for them to be able to come into our church in the early days of our church plant, I loved seeing that happen. In fact, yeah. there was this one guy who would come in. I want to say his name just out of respect for him, but he would come in and, and I would look at him. He was off the streets. He was a known uh, uh, drunk. He was a known addict. And he would come in and I would look at his pockets and I said, man, are those beers in your pockets? Are you coming into the church with beers in your pockets? And he would look at me, he's like, oh, pastor. I was like, dude, at least have the decency to drink them outside. Like, don't bring that, you know, it's like. Yeah, Ezel style. Right. And, but it was that, that, that banter that we had with our friends in the homeless community where they felt comfortable coming in. Uh, and knowing that we weren't going to condemn them, that we weren't going to say, you know, how dare you, you know, you're going to hell for that. And it was like, no, just come as you are. I'm going to joke. I'm going to call you out when, you know, and we had that relationship where I can call them out on some things, uh, but, but they uh-huh. knew that they had a safe place to be. Mm-hmm. And I think you're right. Both of you, a lot of people have rejected the message of Christ because of how, some churches that carry themselves and how some churches set up these barriers. Right. Uh, and, and, and I think the more and more, and you know, in many ways, I'm really grateful for COVID because it really has challenged the church at large to think differently on how to be the church. Right. We can't have people in gatherings. It, it strengthened the church in a lot of ways Ab- too. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, I mean, Matt's talking about it in the interview with the pivot. Oh, oh yeah. We're going to talk about yeah. that later. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're part of the pivot. Yeah, this podcast. I had a friend that always would tell me when you when you pivot, you have to use jazz hands. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Well, speaking of Matt, Chris, thanks for that. Uh, uh, Sit back and relax. We have this amazing conversation with Matt Kladnick, pastor of Vintage Faith Culver City.
All right, today on the Breathe Faith and Creativity podcast, we have a special guest for you today. I've known Matt Kladnick for a few years now, and my family and I actually recently joined their church, Vintage Faith Foursquare, uh, which is now Vintage Faith Culver City, illegally. Uh, after leading the branch for six years, our new season brought us here, and it's been such a blessing to be under his leadership, his wife Grace. It's such a, a joy being here in Culver City. And watch this. We're recording on location inside of an old Airstream trailer that our church is converting into a coffee shop for the community, which we're hoping will be open and ready to serve everyone by this summer. Uh, and of course, we'll talk about that in a little bit. So if you hear traffic, if you hear pedestrian noise, then you know why. Again, we're here in Culver City on location in an Airstream trailer, which is cool. But hey, Matt, thank you for coming on the show. Welcome. And uh, what's going on? Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's super cool to be in here. And, uh, you know, the, the dream of this coffee shop started years ago. Mm -hmm. And so to sit here with you today and like inching closer and closer to the reality of this becoming a real, real thing, uh, it's super cool. For those of you out there know, I have been talking about it on the episodes over the past season. And I'm here pretty much twice a week and I get to really absorb what it's going to be like. And so I'm excited for sure. Uh, but Matt, before we dive into the meat of the questions, let's do an icebreaker really quickly. Speaking of Airstream, speaking of coffee shop, what's your favorite coffee and why? Okay. Oh boy. That's a big question. Uh, well today I got coffee from a donut shop okay. because you know, donut shop coffee goes with donuts. That's right. So that, Randy's donuts. Per no, oh. no. Oh, I, I've got a little joint. I can't even tell you where it is because okay. it's my secret. All right. There it's it my is. secret spot. Yeah, I respect that. Uh, but I've got a place. I'm a, I'm a fan of a, a maple bar happens oh, to yeah. be my donut of choice at the moment. Yeah. Um, but that, you know, but I, I lived in Australia for quite a while. So, uh -huh. um, give me a, a, a nice, flat white flat white i'm yeah. all right with that yeah hey, hey we're gonna have flat white on the menu here too. oh we will so, yeah we can call it the yeah. mat special right yeah we'll just call it the yeah. mat how's that <laughs> yeah, yeah. no one's gonna order it maple bar you want the bacon on there or just straight up Ooh, well you know you know when i'm uh when i'm lifting the extra i need the extra protein so yeah. then i go with bacon yeah that yeah. makes sense yeah yeah, we got a we got a spot in the South Bay where we're at. Jay's Donuts, shout outs to Jay's Donuts there in Lomita. They have a great maple bar. So, well, whenever, yeah, yeah, feel free to bring one. <laughs> we'll do. Um, so let's dive into this. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself for those uh, listening who may not know you? You know, maybe your upbringing. You had mentioned you were in Australia for a little bit. I know you're from Seattle, um, but talk about us or talk to us a little bit about who you are, what makes you tick, what gets you out of the bed in the morning. Um, of course, your faith background, which I think is safe to say being a pastor. Um, but talk about a little bit about who you are. Who is Matt Kladnik for everyone listening? Ooh, yeah. Well, um, yeah, I'm 43 years old. Uh, married, three girls. Got, uh, I know, three girls. I got three boys. I don't I know. know. <laughs> well, it's good that we're hanging out, you know, arranged marriages. Yeah. Uh, sure. Yeah. Well, I've got three girls. I got Polly. She's nine. I got Mabel. She's three, almost four. And then Annie is um, about 20 months old. Oh, there so, you go. Um, so I'm not sleeping much yeah. is kind of my story right now. I'm kind of always a little bit tired, but the girls are fun. My wife is amazing. Um, yeah, I was born in the Northwest and just moved around a bunch. Mm -hmm. I lived in a, pretty much everywhere in Oregon and Washington, even a little bit in Idaho. Okay. And um, just bounced around. My dad was an athletic trainer, so he did sports injury rehab for colleges. So mm -hmm. every couple of years, they would kind of push uh, the staff out into new positions. And so we, we're almost like a military family. Okay. And that we, every four years or so, we move. So 
making new friends, um, you know, let my roots grow and then uprooting and doing that again became quite normal. And, you know, actually being now in Culver City for over eight years is I think the longest I've been in any one place, yeah. which is pretty crazy. But um yeah, I uh, I like to run, eat donuts. You know, the two, the two offset <laughs> Maple each donuts. other. Yeah, yeah. So I just keep myself even. I'm not like getting any healthier. Uh, I'm just even. Um, I like to play pe- uh, paddle tennis, pickleball. My actually, my wife and I we really love playing some pickleball. Mm. But uh, running around with my girls is is plenty to keep me um, active. But uh, yeah, I pastor in Culver City, and I really think of my role in Culver City not so much of a pastor of a church, but I do think of my role as a pastor of a city. Mm. And because of that, that really does frame how I spend my time and the things I value. Um, I wasn't, I was raised going to church off and on. I mean, I I do have a church background in my family, um, but it wasn't a significant part of my life. It was kind of um, what we did on Sunday mornings so that we could get back to doing what we wanted to do. Mm -hmm. But um, I think I was about 20 years old when I actually did become a Christian. And from that point on, boy, my life pivoted in a way that I couldn't have imagined. And actually, if I had known uh, then what my life would turn out, I, I think I probably would have stayed in the pew. I probably <laughs> wouldn't have gotten up because, yeah. you know, I felt like saying yes to Jesus, it, it felt right. It was right. Um, I didn't anticipate the type of life transformation that actually did happen. Mm. And it wasn't just um, a couple values shifted. It was um, my life done flipped right upside down and it all changed, uh, in some things immediately, but some things over a process of time. Mm. But so how has it been? You said you've been here for about eight years or so longest tenure of any place uh, as you could remember. Um, talk to us about the difference that you experienced between moving around and being grounded for such a long time. Yeah. You know, I have been able to see, seasons change and not just physical seasons, but seasons of, of economy, seasons of businesses, seasons of interests in my community, um, even seasons of city leadership. Mm. That's been interesting to see, um, how our city council works and how, you know, in Clover city, we have a, a, a mayor, but the, the city council, the mayor hat kind of rotates every year. And so, um, it's been interesting to see how that works. Um, you know, to see in LA, things are ever shifting and changing. And in here in Culver City in particular, um, you just, there's lots of new stuff bubbling around, um, new businesses, new ventures, mm-hmm. new, new things. And so it's been fun to see both new things happen and, uh, an old things die at yeah. the same time. And there's something beautiful about something old coming to fruition and something new coming about. Yeah. You know, one thing that you talked about earlier, which I love, and maybe you can unpack it a little bit. You said that you're more, you consider yourself more of a pastor of the city. Talk to us about the difference between pastoring a city and pastoring a church. Yeah. Great question. When I think about pastoring a city, um, my mindfulness is not just for my congregation, although they're extremely important to me. Um, My mindfulness is also about the community that I care deeply about. So decisions that are made aren't just made for the safety and healthy and comfort of the people that call my church home, but we make decisions uh, based on what the needs are in our community. And actually, when we started our church, which was about two miles away, mm-hmm. um, about eight so years ago, um, my, one of my first tasks was to get to know my neighbors. And so, Derek, I just 
I, I had a small church. Literally, there were a dozen people in the church when we got there. Okay. And so it was Grace, and we had our oldest, Polly, at the time. So uh, we went from a dozen to 15, and I don't know what the math is, but that's that's like tremendous growth. That's yeah. revival, you know, <laughs> when more right. family shows up. Yeah. Um, but I would, on throughout the week, I would just go down the street, and I would go to my neighbors and knock on their door. And it was a little intimidating nowadays, but I would knock on the door and I would just say, hi, I'm Matt. I work at the church down the street. And most of them didn't know that church existed, hmm. even though they drove by it. And I would just say to them, what would be good news to you today? Yeah. And man, the, que- the, the comments that came out of that, you know, some of them, uh, boy, I couldn't even touch. You know, I remember one guy said, what would be good news to you today? And he said, you know, that my... Um, that my spouse gets out of jail. Wow. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> right, thanks for sharing. <laughs> I'll, write a, I'll write a letter. You know, I don't yeah. know what to do. But and so some of those needs were just really heavy and I got to sit with them in the pain. And uh, and then others, the good news to them was some groceries. And I was mm. like, oh, great. And I got, I got to be a part of that. Being a pastor of a city for me is really having a mindfulness of my community, not just for the elect or those who feel safe coming to my place. Mm-hmm. And that does shift where I spend my time. Uh, my, my prayer energy is both for my church family that I love, but my prayer energy is also equally for the city that I care deeply about. Because I do believe that as a church, we're called not just to gather on a Sunday in a protected space, but we are to reflect his goodness to the world Monday through Saturday. And yeah. God didn't give us his Holy Spirit so that we could have a real, real fun Sunday morning, but he gave us his Holy Spirit so we could have a really effective week. And that's really important to me. Yeah. Uh, let's pivot a little bit to go more into detail with the Airstream and the coffee shop. Um, you know, again, I think it does correlate to pastoring the city. When I hear the sounds, when I hear the the car alarm that just went <laughs> off and the, the pedestrian traffic, as I mentioned earlier, it just reminds me of just being in the heart of the city. So maybe you can uh, maybe unpack kind of the vision behind the coffee shop and then we can kind of go along from there. But what was the initial vision for this coffee shop and what do you hope to what do you hope to gain from it? Great question. Uh, when I look at the facility we have, and you're, we're sitting here, and you know, back to my back, we got our church sanctuary and offices and parking lot. And you know, if I was to go to the city today and say I want to start a church, it's going to be great. We're going to do an awesome thing on Sundays, and it's going to be super fun. Music's going to be great. Great kids program. Um, they're going to dim the lights at just the right time all the time. <laughs> it's going to be on point. Um, and I would st- tell the bank, I need uh, I need $3 million to get this thing off the ground. Mm-hmm. They would probably tell me that's a horrible business plan. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to spend all this money to do something on Sundays from 9 to 11. And so it, I've been thinking, what what does stewardship look like for us? Maybe it's not just investing in a Sunday morning. Maybe it's investing in something that makes a difference all week long. Mm-hmm. And so we started looking at our facilities uh, critically, and critically in a good way, um, thinking about what could we do with this space that would be and have a lasting impression and be good news to our neighbors all week long. And so we just kind of stepped back a little bit. And started thinking about the the square footage we're in right now, mm-hmm. and thought, "Gosh, what, what could we do with this? It's prime real estate on a great street, great visibility." 
And uh, right now it's protected by a 10 foot hedge all around it, you know, (laughs) Uh like, gosh, is that really what we want to be? Is the church that's protected with a hedge or do we want to be the church that creates a common ground? Mm. And so for us, this coffee shop is this common ground. It's this third space of interaction. Um, It's a safe space. It's a place where we get to be Jesus to our neighbors who are going to be going to get caffeinated anyways. Mm -hmm. So they might as well get caffeinated here. Um, We've also thought about place for kids to play, um, space for people to be creative. Um, I just think that we as a church can reclaim some areas of play and creativity um, in the world. And rather than just put, putting big buildings and, and for, and, spaces that make money and make profit, um, maybe creating space for people to be seen and heard, it would be more valuable kingdom wise than, than doing the latter. So that's kind of the idea. And the Airstream was my wife's idea. Every good idea <laughs> that's originates right. from her, I think. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, we just thought how cool. And yeah. I literally, I mean, there's nothing more to it than how cool. <laughs> and, uh, you know, as people drive by, even now, um, even the other day, I had a buddy t- texting me a picture as he was driving by yeah. and just saying, when are you guys going to open oh, up? Wow. And um, so I think the cool factor is there. But it for us, it's a it's a space, um, a space for people to be, to play, to learn, to dream, to create. Um, and if that translates to people feeling safe within our church family, terrific. If it doesn't, I do not care. Yeah. The The goal for us is not to um, offer some sort of bait and switch, like come get a coffee and, and get saved. Right. Um, that's not that's not the plan. I don't think Je- that was Jesus' plan. Jesus yeah. entered into situations and conversations. Um, his only agenda was to be good. Yeah. And his only g- agenda was to be generous and kind and what happened in those conversations usually was a transformation of someone's life. And um, so I think for us doing something like this is literally, it's more being like Jesus than, than just doing a Sunday morning. What would you say would set this coffee shop apart from the others, right? There's maybe three coffee shops within walking distance on this main street. And then maybe even a couple of more, you know, on driving distance away, uh, what would you say would set this particular coffee shop apart from the rest? Well, I think that's going to be the manager's decision. <laughs> Gosh, I wonder who that guy is going to be. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'll pray for him. Uh, you know, that's a good question. I don't know. Um, a lot. A lot and nothing will be different. Mm. Um, I think we're going to have really good coffee. That's your yeah, call I, I think so, well. too. <laughs> uh, hopefully better than the donut shop coffee <laughs> I'm trying to drink. Uh, I think we'll have great coffee. Um, I think it'll just be something welcoming. Um, we do see lots of kids and families and nannies around there. So split a, 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 a place for children will yeah. be really important. And that is unique to this neighborhood. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I, I see people playing cornhole in the, on no. the side, mm-hmm. um, I playing chess. Uh, someone's gonna have to teach me how <laughs> to play chess. Um, oh, I don't know. Someone who's ranked like 1400 in the world, maybe oh my gosh, <laughs> this guy, this guy, all conversations go back to this guy. No, um, but you know, I, I don't know. I think, I think this sense of community being a priority and we're going to go above me on, I think what's unique for us as a church. And I think hopefully other pastors maybe listen to this would maybe be so inspired to think differently about their space. But yeah. for us, this isn't about making money. And because of that, we, um, we're not, we're not as concerned about 
uh, yielding profit, we want to yield influence. Mm, and so we, we're going to, as kingdom people, we deal in different currency, and that is kingdom influence, not just prosperity. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Um, sticking with church and specifically toward the pandemic, and I want to I want to qu- phrase this question in a way that takes from the foundation of this podcast, right? The podcast is faith and creativity. Everyone has a sense of creativity. They may not be an artist, that's fine, but everyone, uh, and if we take it from a spiritual aspect, being that God is the ultimate creator, we all get that DNA from God. And so I'm, I'm, I'm wondering in the breadth of creativity and in relation to the pandemic, how has the church navigated creatively through the past few months, specifically uh, Vintage Faith here in Culver City? How have you led through this pandemic in a creative way? And maybe even how challenging has it been for you? Uh, I thank God for the team we have at Vintage Faith that yeah. uh, keep creativity on the forefront. Mm. Uh, because for myself, uh, sometimes something that's new and innovative can be scary. Yeah. Um, scary to the point of paralyzing me from moving forward. But uh, we have had to shift a little bit. You know, we just couldn't do the things that we had been known to do well. Mm. And we had to start to uh, do things that were very foreign. I mean, we pre-pandemic, we had never done a live stream service of our church ever. Mm. And, you know, it was between one Sunday and the next, all of a sudden we've we've got iPhones on tripods (laughs) with books propping them up. And like, you know, it was just, uh, I don't know what we were, we didn't know what we were doing. Um, but I think we gave ourselves permission to fail mm. and to not be upset about that, but to see those failures as learning opportunities. Mm. And and we've done been able to do that. And actually, the team has been so great at being creative that we've, in some ways, been able to inspire some other churches that have been trepidatious about their move into creativity. Yeah, right. And because we we have, you know, we're not pioneers in any sense, but um, we have abandoned some things in order to embrace some new things. Mm. And that has been well received. And then I think other pastors and leaders that we are in, in relationship with have thought, well, gosh, if these guys can pivot like this, maybe there are some tweaks. You know, the message of Jesus is uh, is the same, and but our methods and our, and our mm. ways of communicating uh, who God is and what he has for the world around us, the um, that the way in which we get that message, that news out to the world has had to shift a bit yeah. and, um, finding ways, you know, is for me, it's not just about, um, putting on a good show, but it's just helping people converse with information that may be new to them. Mm. For me, I think a lot of pastors, the, the fruit of a good sermon is some applause and amens at the end. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think every pastor loves that, yeah. Yeah. but, uh, I think for you and me, um, cause you do some preaching here as well. For us, a good sermon is really something that just drags on people all week long. Yeah, and those yeah. conversations on Monday, Tuesday, where, where people are like, "Oh, you said this, and I'm having a hard time with it." Uh, I love that. Yeah, I mean, I love that email from someone who says, "You said this," and I'm like, "You were listening." I mean, that's what that says. <laughs> yeah, but so uh, I think in terms of creativity, um, thinking about the message, which is unchanged, but thinking about methods that must adjust to an ever changing culture is necessary for the church to have impact moving forward. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the coffee shop is a creative venture. What the church has done through the pandemic is a creative venture. We didn't even talk about the thrift store that the yeah. church runs is a creative venture. So within all these creative ventures, um, how have you experienced God through creativity? Mm. 
everything we have dreamt of did not turn out the way we dreamt of it. (laughs) (laughs) And once you get on the other side of that and you have in mind, we're going to create this and it's going to do A, B, and C, and then you lean into it and you take some real brave steps, um, a year or two down the road, you realize, gosh, we did, we did create something. Mm. Um, but it's not, it's not achieving A, B, and C it's achieving D, E, and F. Right. And, uh, I think that that has helped me in my relationship with God because I just hold my dreams really loosely. And I think there are some principles in those dreams that are worth chasing, but some of the, um, the details are, are going to be changing. Mm. And, you know, the thrift store is one of those where we, we anticipate a thrift store that would do, and it's doing a lot of the things we dreamt of, but it's also doing better stuff. Mm. And some of the stuff that we really thought, well, it, this, store is going to exist to do this thing. Uh, it hasn't done that thing and yeah. probably good. Um, so I think it's this the idea of dreaming, creating and having things take shape differently than what you anticipated. It creates an intimacy with God. Cause I I'm, I'm constantly, um, I'm constantly crying out to him. Yeah. And I think it would be like an artist who has envisioned, I'm going to paint a picture of a hillside. Yeah. Um, and they have an idea what it's going to look like. Usually that, that painting turns out quite differently right. yet. It's still beautiful and meaningful. It's just different than what they had dreamt of. And I think if that fear of the discrepancy of what we dreamt of and what turns out with, if that fear holds us back from creating, then we're missing an opportunity for God to stretch us. And I think that's part of the refining process. Um, God wants to live out his dreams mm. through us, um, not necessarily our dreams through us. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned with the team when you had to pivot during covid you mentioned the phrase permission to fail, which I think is huge and amazing. Um, how would you say that applies to your life in following God? Um, yeah, I have failed more than I've succeeded. So I, I guess you have to look at it. Uh, following Jesus isn't, for me, is much about learning how to do things perfectly. It's learning how to be in his presence. Mm. And that's been a big paradigm shift because when I became a Christian, I thought, I mean, like it was 20 some years ago, but I remember sitting there at the church and just having this epiphany of God being real. And right after I had this epiphany that God was real, that he had a plan for my life, the next thought was the the list of things that must change in my life in order to be pleasing to God. Yeah. And yet I still made a decision that day. I've come to realize that that isn't really what God wanted for me. I was setting up a list of expectations mm. that I would never be able to meet. Yeah. And he never wanted me to be perfect. He wanted to be his. Mm, and good. Uh, as a dad, that means a lot to me too. I have my three girls and I don't, I don't desire, I don't anticipate perfection from my girls, Mm -hmm. but, um, I do desire the presence and I want to parent in such a way that, um, we have this, this profound connection with me and my girls, uh, all of our life. And I think that is true to what God wants to, he, I think he understands our failures. I mean, I look at who Jesus worked with and I looked at the great supper uh, mm-hmm. the last supper and I look at the 
Judas and, and Peter, one's going to deny him, one's going to betray him, but he invites him to the table. And so it wasn't so much about their, their, their forthcoming behaviors as about being with him. Um, and so I don't know if I'm answering your question, but I think my failures have drawn me closer to him. And what's been revolutionary to me is my failures haven't excluded me from his presence. Mm, that's good. And that's been, um, that's, 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 a, that's the type of relationship worth investing in. Yeah. So similarly, maybe, um, now strip everything aside, strip all your ministry experience aside. Um, who, who is God to you? Mm. Um, he, he is my, uh, my, my partner, hmm. uh, my advocate, my defender, he is my encourager and corrector. Uh, he is the one that promotes me. He's also the one that disciplines me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I've got a great father, earthly father, and he's done a lot of those things. And God has, has shown himself to be a good dad in those ways. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, man, I feel like, in my life, God has been very loud with his love and very quiet with his chastisement. Hmm. And, um, but though I know the chastisement's there and, and I know that that correction is there, it just, it just has always felt to me that his grace is overwhelming. And, um, that's, I hope that is the God that I am portraying to the world around me as well. Hmm by how I love. That's good. Well said. Um, as we wrap things up here, maybe there's, I mean, a ton of people listen to the show, not just artists, but let's say there's that person out there. Um, he or she is contemplating pastoral ministry and they're hesitant. They don't know where to start as a person who's been pastoring for a while now. What would you say to that person listening? Who's contemplating that maybe best practices, um, maybe advice that you would give that person wanting to pursue a life of pastoral ministry. What would you say to them? together. That's a great conversation. And gosh, uh, if that is an interesting conversation to you, you should follow this podcast, trying to find a way to email the guys here to get back to you. But yeah, if uh, you're um, curious about pastoral ministry, uh, looking back for me, um, I, I, I threw myself into ministry before I had a biblical foundation to work mm. from. So I would say if you're interested in ministry, but you do not have a love for God's word, you need to cultivate that love for God's word right. first. Um, not anticipate that seminary is going to make that happen for you or a voca- vocational ministry will make that happen for you. Um, I would say that would be a priority. Um, and I would just think you don't actually need to... Uh, run a Sunday service to pastor. Mm-hmm. And uh, Derek, looking at you and looking at the, the the coffee bar here, there is going to be pastoral conversations yeah, happening absolutely. as you lean over the coffee bar. And I think that there is a place for workplace ministry that is so vital and so significant. And uh, even as a pastor myself, um, I'm jealous of people who get to interact with the world more specifically. Mm. So I would say to someone, I would say exhaust every opportunity in marketplace ministry before you think about vocational ministry. That's good. Um, 
And there may be room for both. And you may find, and Derek, I don't know how long you're going to be managing a coffee shop. You may plant another church someday. You never know. But uh, if you're not loving, reflecting God's goodness exactly where you are, then no title is going to change that. Yeah, that's good. That's so good. Thank you, Matt. Um, You know, before we go and let you go, we've been doing this thing at the end of every show called The Lightning Round. You down to play? I've been looking forward to this. I have no idea what's (laughs) going to happen. All right. How it works is I'm going to give you two choices. There's going to be about 10 or 11 choices. And without putting too much thought into it, you just give me your first choice. (laughs) Okay. I'm so excited. (laughs) None of these better be Marvel because I don't know anything. You're going to hit me with a Marvel question. I'm going to look like an idiot. Uh, No, there's no Marvel questions here. All right. Here we go. Purple or green? Green. Supersonics or Oklahoma City Thunder? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Seattle Superhonics. Come on. Sean Kemp, Gary Payton. Come on. He did oh, the same team, though, man. <laughs> Technically. Kev- Kevin Durant was on both the Sonics and the Thunders. I don't even, I don't even know that guy. I, I just know the glove. <laughs> I know, huh? Uh, who was a Laker at one point, which was a failed experience, uh, experiment? We don't right? have to hey. talk about that. <laughs> Starbucks or Pete Co- Pete's Coffee? I'm going to go Pete's. Los Angeles or Seattle? Because I am currently in L.A., I will say, no, uh, I'm going to say Culver City. <laughs> there you go. Beach or mountain? Ooh, beach. Basketball or football? Mm, uh, to play or to watch? Yes. Football. <laughs> Old Testament or New Testament? No. Vanilla or pumpkin spice? Oh, Derek and <laughs> Uh I'm going to go vanilla. I've been on a vanilla kick. The Apostle Paul or Peter? Paul. Lakers or Clippers? Lakers. <laughs> Great answer. And there it is, guys. Lightning round. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for playing, Matt. And thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate you. Why don't you really quickly shout out, if you want to, your social media or even maybe the church's social media. How can we find you and what you, and, and, and kind of see what you're doing in the community? Oh, my gosh, Derek. I don't even – I have social media, <laughs> but I don't even know what it is. You just Google Matt Kladnick. Okay. <laughs> and then what about the church's uh, social? Uh, I don't even know. At <laughs> At VFF Church. There it is. Instagram is at VFF Church. Is it really? Yes, it is. is, Clearly, I have no idea social media stuff. And the website for the church? Uh, VFFchurch.com. I know that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and stay tuned for the upcoming coffee shop. If you need some clothes and some household items, visit Love the City Thrift Store. Um, ran and 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 envisioned and dreamed up by vintage faith. And so you can check that out. All that is on the website again. That's VFFchurch.com. Well, there you have it, guys. Pastor Matt Kladnick, Vintage Faith, Culver City. Really fascinating, fascinating interview. I love his heart for the community and how he desires to use the church for more than just Sunday services and for more than just quote-unquote Christians, but he wants to open up the space to serve the greater community. Guys, we talked a lot in the beginning about good news and how the church can be truly good news in a practical way, but what are some other things that stood out from this interview? Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts? Anything else that Matt talked about that you want to dive a little bit deeper in? Yeah, I mean, let's just go with it right away. I mean, right before the interview, we were already talking about that pivot, the yeah. change. It's It's the combination, I mean, what we're kind of doing with the podcast is the combination of FDR fireside chats uh-huh. and the church, you know, at the same time. It's like we're, we're, we might not necessarily be speaking about 
like particular Bible verses, like uh, specifically, but we're we're allowing people to you know kind of learn and learn things in a practical sense and being able to do it through videos and being able to reach uh, reach people through you know the coffee beans or creative means and spreading out to the city. It's like man. It's that's that's the way it should be. Yeah. And, you know, a little inside conversation and maybe I can let it out into the public a little bit. But that's been, you know, I jumped on staff at the church in Uh, September officially. Yeah. And, you know, even before I came on staff, they had already been talking about what it means to pivot. And it's been fascinating to go into a situation where I'm not necessarily like the lead, but I'm able Uh to sit back and hear the conversations that the staff are having. And it's, it's phenomenal that they're thinking of ways to use the campus Mm -hmm. for the community and the coffee shop is a huge one. And, you know, we had Emma Gaisley on, I think it was the second episode of season two. And, you know, she used to run the thrift store and, you know, the church has a thrift store that is meant to serve the community. You know, right now the church is under renovation in their fellowship hall to make it a community space. And Emma, now that she's not running the thrift store, she's freed up now to use her gifts in the arts and she wants to create community art classes uh, in that space. And so, you know, I, I, stepped into the staff at such a great time, Uh, you know, and I've just been blown away at how willing the church has been to pivot, to not put so much focus on the Sunday. And yeah, we're having those conversations now as, you know, COVID has been a part of our lives and people are getting vaccinated. And as it, as we're heading toward herd immunity, you know, churches are slowly having that conversation and yeah, we're having that conversation, but I love how it's not the main focus. Uh, it's uh, the main focus is yes, we have a church and we have a church service, but we want to find ways to serve the community. It's, we are, we are a collective voice of hope. I think you mentioned the word hope, Chris, at the beginning, but we're a collective voice of hope that wants to express that in many different ways. And yeah, we do have a Sunday service, but it's not the pinnacle of what we do as a church, right? We want to focus on what happens Monday through Saturday. And that's what I, that's what I love about what, what, what Matt was addressing there. Yeah. Good stuff. How about you? Yeah, it's kind oh, of, sorry, it's go ahead, kind of like a, it's kind of like a communal hub. Yes. And I, I love that idea. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Kevin? Three things. Uh, first thing I really came away with when I listened to the interview was his outside in view of ministry. And Unpack what that. I mean by that is, Churches sometimes are inside-out ministry where I could just picture somebody saying they're inside the church building and go, we want to bring the church to the outside, but how do we do it? Mm-hmm. And they're, they're stuck. What I like about what he's doing is outside-in. He's saying, like you were saying, we're a coffee shop, we're a thrift store, we're community resource, and by the way, we have church services. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's outside-in, which I think is a much healthier way of going at it. Mm. And before I listened to this interview, the word pivot to me was kind of negative, but I, it's changed my definition of it because pivot is, it's a slight change of direction. Hmm. It's not like a stark change of direction where you, we've all done it before where you walk into a gym and you see all those people that 
have nothing to do but go to the gym <laughs> and they're all lifting weights and there you get this feeling like everybody's looking at my schlep little body <laughs> trying to walk in and go thinking you know is that the janitor no he's working out oh my goodness <laughs> and you always think you can't make it and my doctor has always told me it took you five months to get fat it's going to take you five months to get better mm. and i thought about that he said what you need to do is just put pivot and he said it and i did i forgot that he said it he said pivot in your thought pattern change a little bit every day mm. yeah I think about that and then the other thing i think about is a few episodes ago was our friend rita wild mm -hmm. when she said everybody just needs a friendly voice mm. yeah and that's what i think about is Church is scary for some people, oh, yes. uh, for a lot oh, yes. of people, for a lot of people. And, and if they have a person that comes up and they're fr friendly to them and they just reach out, we could change things by pivoting how we think. Yeah. Don't you like how yeah. I tied that together? Well, what I think is, what I think is still wild is that we can call Rita wild, our friend. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> Anyways, well, she is just a wild reader. <laughs> I digress. Anyways, um, yeah. yeah. Anything else, Chris? That that Matt brought up. That well, uh, one of them is 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 when he said, "If you're not reflecting God's word where you're at, mm. no title can change you." Yeah, I love and that. that reflected to me, man, because with this podcast, with the art lessons and doing the art, it's like, dude, I feel like I need to be arrested. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> I'm having too much fun. Yeah. And, and to hear somebody's excited to talk about church. Yeah. Come on now. Yeah. That's so rare right now. Yeah. And to hear other dudes being pumped up. Oh, yeah. I'm pumping up too. And then, you know, in the future, we're going to have Pastor Michelle talk about her future visions too. Yeah. yeah. Yo, like, let's, let's, let's all ride together. Yeah. I'm happy. And can I also say, I, I like that he mentions maple donuts. <laughs> that too. And coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're definitely going to name a drink after him. You know, he spent a lot of time in Australia, and uh, you know, our Aussies—they definitely uh -huh. love their flat whites. And uh, uh -huh. we, you know, he got turned on to that. And so, yeah, we're going to definitely put a drink on the menu oh, for him. Matty White, dude, that's the new <laughs> drink right there. That's right, Matty Ice. Yeah. So, uh, no, I, I think it's fascinating too how one word that I think would encapsulate him would be the word willingness. I love uh -huh. the fact that he's willing to experiment with some things where sure, I'm sure the council, his council, you know, his council members speak into some of the decisions and, you know, they act as an accountability group to him. And yes, I'm sure they, they, they have their wisdom that they impart, but you know, Matt, despite all that is still willing to experiment with things. I think this coffee yeah. shop is a huge experiment and yeah. we don't know it's going to be successful. I mean, I'm pretty sure it is. No, I'm, knowing, I'm pretty sure too. Knowing what I could bring to the table <laughs> since I'm going to be yeah. running it, knowing, yeah. you know, the vision. You know, it goes beyond me, though. It's it's the vision, right? Yeah. There's there's this passage in the scripture that says when, you know, when people don't have vision, they die. And mm -hmm. what I love about Matt and, you know, what came out in his interview was that even despite this pandemic, he yeah. he's he's seeing the vision that God has put on his heart for this space, 
And I'm not saying the coffee shop is the most important piece. And it might sound mm-hmm. like it because I'm involved in it, but it's one of the pieces. It's one of the pieces. It's a major cause. Yeah. Like, let's be real. You know, and it, you know, it's, it's, it's gonna be literally the doorway to the rest of the campus. Cause it's going to be on the main mm-hmm. street. It's going to be what people see. I mean, you mm-hmm. see, it's, it's an old airstream that's being converted into a coffee yeah. shop. So that's going yeah. to be eye candy for people. Even if they don't step foot into the Sunday you know, service. You know, it's crazy. You're going to be kind of like the spiritual front line in a way. Yeah. You know, you're right. <laughs> cool, huh? And it's, it's going to be amazing to have these conversations. I'm not even thinking of like, you know, how many people can I usher into the church? No, yeah. it's how many people can I reach as far as connecting with? What excites me yeah. most about this coffee shop is the and opportunity sure. to connect with the city, find ways to partner, not necessarily usher people into the church, but usher the church yeah. into the community and say, how can we partner with what's going on in this city right now? What? How can mm-hmm. we come alongside you as you serve the city, whether it's after school programs already in, in, in session or, you know, um, homeless, you know, organizations that are out there serving the needy in, in the city. How can we not reinvent the wheel, but how can we provide resources for the city? What, you know, how yeah. can we utilize some of our revenue to pour back, not necessarily into the church, but how can we use our revenue to pour back into the city for the betterment of yeah. the city? And that's what I'm looking forward to. And again, it goes back to Matt's willingness to see things differently as, as a pastor and even said it too, right? He doesn't necessarily see himself as a pastor of the church, but the pastor of a city. And I love that because yeah. his mind is thinking bigger than just yeah. the local body, you know? And I love that. Again, it's his willingness to think differently and to think, to think, for the lack of words, to think outside of the box when it comes to church normality, if you will. So, yeah. And I think about the coffee shop as a common ground because you had mentioned before that the coffee shop is... I mean, think about 20, 25 years ago, if you would have told me that, hey, people are going to pay five bucks a, a pop for coffee that you could make at home. And they're <laughs> going to sit and, and and talk with each other on these little funny things called cell phones because they don't talk to each other face to face anymore. And I'd be like, what planet are you on? Mars. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, ours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But. The dynamic has changed, and I think the church has to change with the dynamic yeah. to be relevant. Does that yeah. sound right? It's the adjusting. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and again— I, it, it has to pivot. Right, and I'm reminded of Jesus where, you know, as a Jew, he was committed to the religious gathering, if you will, weekly. But most of the story in the Gospels that are captured of Jesus' life is outside of that context. It's outside of the weekly gathering, but it's, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John tell the narrative of his life Monday through or Sunday through Friday, given that Saturdays are the traditional Sabbath for, you know, Jews. But, you know, it's, it's what was Jesus doing during the week, right? You know, yeah, sure. We got that small glimpse uh, of, of Jesus in Luke where he went you know, to the religious gathering and read from the scriptures. But again, most of the narrative centered around Jesus all illustrate him in the community, in the city, in people's lives, and not necessarily churchy folks, but folks who are down and out, folks who people rejected, 
there are so, you know, there, there are, there are a good number of stories where Jesus had conversations as a rabbi, as a rabbi in the public with women, with children, with sinful people, those whom the religious elite looked down upon, especially having conversations with in public. Yet these, this is where Jesus was. Think about the woman at the well. That's what I think. Yeah. Woman at the well, even the woman caught in the act of adultery, even, you know, all those people who are considered, you know, unclean. And again, even with the children, and he says, let the little children come to me. He was there. And when I hear Matt's vision for, and not just vintage faith, but when I hear his vision for the people of God, I'm just reminded that he's really focused on how he can position himself and the church in the public square in a way that's more, and maybe I could say it this way, and maybe I'll get some flack for it later (laughs) because I usually do, but in many ways, it seems like he's rewriting church narrative. And, Mm -hmm. and, and, and I say he just because we interviewed him, but I've spoken with a lot of leaders, church leaders across the country who are thinking the same way, which is encouraging to Mm -hmm. hear that yeah. the church at large is perhaps rewriting what church procedure is supposed to be now, especially post, post-pandemic, post yeah. where it's not enough just to have a church service anymore. No. But it's, it's which that was the standard for so long. And yeah. again, this pandemic has forced the church to think differently. In many ways, too, last week when we talked with Ramon, it was the same yeah. thing. And so yeah. here's this leader in Chicago, then you have now mm-hmm. from this week this leader in Culver City, and you're you're seeing bits and pieces of the church's story um, being on the same page, yet not in yeah. the same state or city. So you know that the Holy Spirit's doing something crazy, yeah, and really pushing. Yeah, I the mean, church I out. like I like to add a little too. I mean, this is I mean what they're talking is forget theory now, guys. Mm. It's all about application. Yeah, this is actions over right. words. This is a Christian gut check. Absolutely, it's like, are you really gonna live out what you say? Yeah. Straight up. Yeah. It, like, let's be real. That's right. You know, it's it's now the pragmatic side of things, right? Yeah. It's like, you're right. We can we can sit. Forget thinking. Yeah, we can sit and talk about Jesus like all we want, but there has to come a time where we stop talking about Jesus and go live it out. I've learned, too, that sometimes everybody says, or at least I've said in the past, it, no, I want to go out to the mission field, and I realize the mission field is right in front of me. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I like, how, I like how he said too. Uh, he had mentioned that don't say you're going to go into full time ministry without realizing that what you do as a person can be a ministry. Mm. Where you work, where you what you do, Chris, you know, Christian as an artist, you as a poet, me as a as a fly person (laughs) bring um, it all back what i like about that is everybody tend they tend to oh i'm just a barber oh i'm just a student no in god's kingdom everybody is a servant everybody same thing yeah we're all the same to him yeah, you know, what's interesting as we kind of wrap up our discussion here, what we're going to see, what I'm sensing, and I'm not proclaiming to be some pri- some kind of prophetic person or anything like that. Although God has given me prophetic words for people, I, I don't go around calling myself a prophet, but what I'm sensing is that 
since we've been talking about pivoting as the church pivots post-pandemic, I think we're going to see less and less of full-time pastors in the church. And we're going to see more of our full-time pastors migrate into the public square, getting jobs Mm -hmm. elsewhere, uh, putting themselves into spaces where they can truly make a difference outside of the pulpit. And what that's going to do is it's going to free up a lot of financial resources from the church because there's not going to be the pressure of the churches having to compensate the pastors anymore with their salaries. And so they can shift and even the finances can pivot to maybe taking what would go into a full-time pastor. Maybe the pastor goes and gets a part-time job somewhere else and whatever would have gone to that pastor's salary would now be able to be used for more missional things that are out of the church uh-huh. that perhaps the church couldn't afford to do because of the pressures of paying the pastors. Now I'm not saying churches shouldn't pay their pastors. I mean, I've been full time yeah. and full time in ministry uh, for a lot of times in my past, in my ministry experience, uh, but there were times where I was bivocational. Yes. I believe mm-hmm. that pastors should get compensated because churches ask their pastors to do a lot and they should be compensated. But yeah. so I believe in that, but at the same time, because of where I believe the church is headed because of this pandemic and to be more impactful in the community. I believe a lot of pastors are going to give up their salaries and to go find wow. jobs elsewhere. I mean, ultimately that's what I'm doing, right? I, I left ministry mm-hmm. in this traditional sense and I'm going to be running a coffee shop, but yet I'm still going to be shepherding yet. I'm still mm-hmm. going to be sharing the good news of Jesus, but just in a public setting, you know? Yeah. yeah. You're just being amongst the people, which, which, which is what you should be doing. Yeah. Yeah. You're putting action where your words are. Absolutely. That's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Cool. Uh, any other thoughts? This is good. Good discussion. Good, good, good uh, thoughts that we've kind of unpacked here. Oh, man. I'm, I mean, I'm just pumped. I'm excited. I mean, we're growing. We're doing good. I mean, everybody on an individual sector from a church sector. Yeah. I mean, man, I'm pumped. Yeah. It's looking good. Keep being pumped. Good. Man. Talk about talk about good news, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, and Chris, keep at it, man. I, I you know, yeah. four students. I'm sure that can double in due time. Oh, hey, you tell me keep when Emma it. wants a, when Emma wants somebody to help, you let me know. Yeah. I'm there. Yeah, and vice versa. When I need start needing some help, maybe I'll give her a call. Yeah, so good. You know, I love it. I love it. Yeah, me too. I love it too. <laughs> Boom. Well, hey, thanks guys for tuning in this week. We truly, truly are honored to be able to be in your headsets, in your ears every week, giving you creative avenues of discussion with different various people in all walks of life. So thank you again for tuning in. Don't forget to rate and review our podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe, the subscribe button so that you can be dinged every time we upload a new, a new episode, which we've been committed to doing them every week. You know what's crazy, guys? We started off the season really, really Uh wanting to only do two episodes a month just so that there's not that pressure on us. But man, we have been doing this every single week. And yeah. I, you know, we're just so grateful to you out there listening who, who's, who've allowed us to be in your space every week. And we're going to continue pushing it. Uh, we'll see you guys on Instagram at breathe podcast. Yeah. Also, if you're moved in any way, please head to our Patreon page and hit us up with monthly support to help this podcast going. And of course, until next time, be the light, extend your hand in love and make peace with someone this upcoming week. Stay blessed. We'll see you next time. Peace.